Hi friends! Welcome back to the Health Forward Podcast. This is episode 56 and today we're doing something a little different. This past week on Instagram I had posted that I felt like the last couple episodes had been a little on the heavier side. Good and things that I like being able to share with you and hope that I'm helping you with but also just heavy like heavy for me to record them probably a little heavy for you to listen to them so we needed to change it up get it a little lighter over here <laughs> a little more fun so I asked if you guys wanted to do a question and answer episode and your response was a resounding yes so that's what we're doing today you guys submitted your questions on Instagram I'm going to be answering them. You guys really did ask some very good questions, so I'm excited to get into it. Let's jump in. Hey friends, I'm Elena Davis, your integrative health coach, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the Health Forward Podcast, where each week we will be talking about different things that move us forward toward a healthier and more fulfilling life. Thanks so much for listening in. Okay, so the first question is, what's your favorite thing to teach? Oh, goodness, this is hard to choose just one. I don't know that I can choose one. Uh, I'm going to say gut health and hormone health kind of together. So that's technically two answers, but for the same reason. So the reason is I just think that both gut health and hormone health affect so many other processes and functions of the body and it's just not nearly as commonly understood or known um, as I think it should be and so I every time that I am teaching about gut health or hormone health it's like I see the light bulbs start to come on you know and people's eyes get wide or they say like what really Are, are you serious it's just those kind of moments that I love because it helps connect so many things for people and can really provide, you know, working on your gut health or tweaking a few things to help with your hormone health can really provide a lot of change for people in their health or in any symptoms that they're experiencing. So um, it's kind of like one of those get a lot of bang for your buck type uh, things when it comes to teaching that to people. So I really enjoy that. The next question is, what is your favorite worship song and why? Oh boy. So I can never um, choose an all-time favorite worship song because it's just too hard. It's too hard. There's too many. Um, but I will say that my favorite, uh, current favorite worship song is Jaira by Maverick City Music. Um, Jehovah Jaira is one of the names for God used in the Old Testament. And it means God our provider or God will provide is kind of a a rough translation into English. And I just love how the song really emphasizes that God's goodness and faithfulness have absolutely nothing to do with us. Two of my favorite parts of the song are the very first line of the song, which says, I'll never be more loved than I am right now. I wasn't holding you up. So there's nothing I can do to let you down. And then the bridge of the song that says, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you've spoken. 
I'm already loved more than I can imagine. And that is enough. And gosh, doesn't that just let you like exhale and take a deep breath? Like it kind of just takes some of the pressure off, right? We can depend on God to be what he says he is and do what he says that he'll do. Not when we do something or because we hold up our end of some bargain, but because he's God, he's always faithful. He's never changing. He's always providing. And this song has been such a good um, anchor for my soul through uh, the current season of life that I'm in just to go back to, nope, God's still the same. Nope, God's still the same. Always providing, always faithful. The next question is, uh, if you could trade places with anyone, who would it be and why? Well, let me give you the fun answer to the question first. The fun answer is probably Joanna Gaines, but just for like an afternoon. (laughs) I think it would be amazing to see kind of an inside view into her life and everything that she's built but I also think I would be overwhelmed and exhausted after like an hour or two. (laughs) So I don't know that I could really do it for a whole day or anything like that. I just think I'm not necessarily built for all of that, but I do think it would be kind of fun just to get an inside glimpse into her life. I think spending an afternoon at her farmhouse, like maybe not trade places with Joanna Gaines, but maybe just like go hang out with her. You know what I'm saying? I think that would be fun. Um, The real answer to this question and probably more boring answer is honestly, I don't think I would trade with anybody. My life is far from easy and far from perfect, but I love it. And I think I just miss it too much. So that's probably a boring answer, but that's my answer. The next question is what's your opinion on probiotics, real food versus supplement? So this is a great question, and the answer is that it varies. I know that you all love when I give that answer. Um, I think it's ideal to get probiotics from whole food sources, but I also know that most people aren't doing that. Foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, um, let's see, apple cider vinegar, and other fermented foods have they just have like a much higher amount of beneficial microbes, uh, bacteria, fungi, viruses, the whole thing, and way more diversity in strains. Some even more so than like a, a therapeutic dose of a probiotic supplement would have. And then they also have other benefits like prebiotics built in and because of the fermentation process, a lot of the nutrients are really broken down into more bioavailable forms. So getting probiotics from a whole food source, fermented foods, that is a wonderful option, but there's a few caveats and a few issues with that. One is that those are just not common household foods anymore. Like very few people that I know just eat sauerkraut or kimchi, unless they are from an ethnic background that kind of kept those things as part of their regular um, cuisine. Also, a lot of people just don't like the flavors. You know, those are going to be more sour, obviously, flavors. Um, Even like sourdough, for example. Now, that became very popular in 2020, but 
you know, there's a, there's quite a few health benefits to the, um, from the fermentation process of making sourdough, but it is a time consuming process. So in normal life, most of us either don't have time or just don't make the time to do that. Um, so I don't know that it's super practical to just always advise people to only get their probiotics from food. Um, the other issue with fermented foods and with even some probiotic supplements as well is that people that have more complex digestive or gut health issues, for example, SIBO or even leaky gut, if they don't deal with the underlying problems going on with their gut health and they just start throwing high doses of probiotics, either from fermented foods or supplements at it, a lot of times it's going to aggravate the symptoms and make them worse. So, you know, if you have those issues, if you have SIBO or if you have symptoms of leaky gut, you know, I definitely don't start just taking high dose probiotics and think that it's going to fix it. You probably need to work with a functional medicine doctor or a dietitian that is trained in that or a health coach that's trained in that. Work with somebody that can help you navigate that before you start loading probiotics in. As far as supplements go, supplements can be a very effective and beneficial option. Some things to look for in a quality probiotic would be um, that they use third-party testing. That's really important. Just, you know, you want to make sure that the product that you get is actually what you think it is. Um, Because there's not a whole lot of regulations on on certain things and so sometimes it's easy to claim something on a label and then that not necessarily be what you're getting Um, especially if you're just running to you know target or something Um, no shade on target I love target but for me that's not the place where I would buy my probiotics um, if that makes sense I want to make sure that they're third-party tested and I'll give you some brands that I like here in a second Another thing is that it has multiple strains of probiotics. So this is a common thing. People will often um, tell me that their doctor has said, hey, why don't you take a probiotic? And then they'll tell me the probiotic that their doctor recommended, and it's one strain and a pretty low amount of um, actual microbes in there. And so that isn't super effective when especially when you're trying to take it in a therapeutic way like you're trying to help some kind of symptom or heal something in your body and so finding a probiotic that has multiple strains when you look on the back of the label it should tell you all the different strains and that's going to be all the really big words that you don't know how to pronounce and they'll have like l dot you know and all these huge words or they'll say b dot whatever so You want a lot of different strains in there, not just one or not even just two or three. You want multiple. And you're also going to want to look at the CFU count on the front of a um, probiotic label. So that's going to be the thing that tells you the amount of microbes in there. So, you know, it might be such and such billion. And so for a standard probiotic, meaning one that's in a pill form, you know, usually those you have to refrigerate, those kinds of things. You're going to want that amount to be pretty high, not crazy per se, but, you know, I would say at least 25 or so, uh, 25 billion, because a lot of times some of that gets lost in the digestive 
process. And so you're going to want to make sure that that's actually getting to your intestines where it needs to go, specifically to your large intestines. So that is kind of why some of those counts are pretty high. Now, if you take a raw option, such as Mary Ruth's, which I'll come back to in just a second, um, or even a spore-based probiotic, a soil-based probiotic, those are going to be a lower amount, and that's okay because it's a totally different um, design. Also, it's helpful to rotate which probiotic supplements you take every few months. So, for example, you get one probiotic supplement, you take that until it runs out, and then when it's time to reorder, you get a different, either a different brand altogether or a different... um, mixture of strains you you know you just change it up that way you're getting exposed to different strains not the same strains over and over and over and over we want to keep like a healthy ecosystem in our gut and so we need multiple different types of microbes viruses bacteria fungi and we need them in varying amounts to keep that in a good balance rather than having too much of something Some of my favorite brands of probiotic supplements are uh, Claire Labs is a great one. They are third-party tested. They're trustworthy. Uh, They have tons and tons and tons of different types of probiotics as far as some are targeted more for um, the gut-brain connection. Some are targeted more for post-antibiotic use. Some are targeted more for... um, moms or breastfeeding moms or you know things like that so they have a a lot of options on that also mary ruth organics which i just mentioned hers she has both i think the pill supplement and a liquid i have only used her uh, liquid supplement it's a raw probiotic i like that it is shelf stable and i don't have to refrigerate it i also like that my entire family can take it just in varying amounts and that it tastes like water so I have no fight from my three-year-old on that, (laughs) which is helpful. And then Ancient Nutrition is also a good brand, and they have some targeted blends. They also have a soil-based probiotic option, which can be good as well. And then I also love Ion Biome. They are not a probiotic, but they have a mineral in their formula that actually helps to support gut lining. So we take that as well, and I think that's really helpful. Okay, the next question, what are some ways to incorporate good fats into your diet? Not a fan of avocados. First of all, I just can't understand how you live your life without guacamole. I don't know. Maybe you need to come over and have some of my guacamole because I, I just, I, I don't understand. Um, just kidding. Some people just don't like avocados. It's fine. It's fine. There are a lot of good options for getting good quality fats into um, you know, your normal intake of food. So some of my go-tos are, um, nuts like cashews, pecans, walnuts. You can buy sprouted versions of those nuts. They are a little pricier, but they are also a little easier to digest. So if you're concerned about that, then I would go for a sprouted option. Um, nut butters. I love to use that just on top of toast or on top of a um, gluten-free waffle or pancake. We do that sometimes for like a really easy breakfast option for Remy and sometimes even for myself if I'm just needing something quick to eat before I have my coffee. Let's see, then 
coconut products, pretty much of any kind, are going to be a great option. So coconut oil, coconut milk, and they're pretty easy to work into things that you already eat and drink. For example, anytime I am making something for dinner that is creamy or cheesy, um, we don't really use a lot of cheese here. So I'll kind of substitute coconut milk into those things that provides the same consistency. So think, you know, sauces, think other creamy things like smoothies or a pasta sauce or um, I'm going to make mac and cheese for Remy either from scratch or from the box. Like we like to use the Annie's mac and cheese. You know, it has the optional, you could add like butter and milk to it or whatever. A lot of times I'll add coconut milk to it because that ups that fat content, um, which keeps her full longer, gives her some good healthy fats. And so I like to just add it in where I can. You can also add coconut oil. I mean, you can obviously cook with it um, when you're sauteing or, you know, pan frying or anything like that. But you can also use it on top of homemade popcorn, for example, or even add it in with maybe some milk to your milk frother and then put it in your coffee or tea in the morning. So those are some pretty easy ways to just get a little extra in. Also, eating fatty fish a few times a week, especially salmon, it has a ton of health benefits and it helps with both the protein and the fat intake. So that's a way to kind of help incorporate that in a little bit. And then if you can tolerate some dairy, full fat, raw dairy options like yogurt or uh, kefir, again, um, can be good options as well as sheep milk yogurt if you can't tolerate dairy um, those can be good and they have a pretty high good fat content there are also non-dairy yogurts like almond milk cashew uh, yogurt coconut milk yogurt all that stuff and they can be good too you just have to be real careful with those labels because usually the fat content isn't that great or even if it is the sugar amount is even higher um, and so you kind of you know, you're paying for it in the sugar. Um, you can also make it yourself. There's tons of tutorials about, it's pretty easy to make cashew yogurt at home or coconut milk yogurt at home. Actually, coconut milk yogurt is very easy to make. So you could also look those up. Healthy fats are just one of those things that are necessary for good health and for the function of your body. So don't be afraid to experiment a little bit to find some good options that you like. The next question is when people say, do your own research, what does that mean? <laughs> Google or PubMed? Oh boy, uh, this is a bit of a loaded question. So I'm gonna do my best to give my opinion here and not go on a rant, but also know that a rant may come. You have been warned. Um, it's a big joke these days about people running to Dr. Google all the time and then self-diagnosing themselves. And listen, I get it. Um, there are some crazy things on the internet and you can definitely find some kind of blog post or article to support whatever you're suspecting on just about any topic. So I definitely think we need to be careful about sources. However, as someone with a complex condition that there's pretty uh, a pretty small amount of accepted research about in the medical world and what I mean by that is something that's been studied for years and years and years and then gone through the process of being published and then 
integrated into medical textbooks and journals and things like that. That that is a process that takes a very long time. And with something like endometriosis, for example, you know, research on that just hasn't really been ramped up even now, but you know, more so in the last couple of years. And so there's just not, it's not made it into all of that whole process to where you're going to walk into your doctor's office and they're going to readily have that information available to them. Um, at least through the sources that they most often go to, let's put it that way. And so for me, being able to use something like Google has been very helpful for me to learn about how my body should be functioning and other people's experiences with, for example, endometriosis or infertility or something like that. So I don't want to completely count Google out as being untrustworthy. Again, I do think it needs some discretion and it needs some parameters around it. For example, if I'm going to Google something, I'm most likely going to put the words functional medicine after it, which is going to usually lead me to articles or even blogs, but written by actual practitioners or at least people that are like-minded in their approach to health and holistic treatment. Now, PubMed is a great resource as well, and I do utilize that quite a bit, but I'm going to be honest here, the language that most of those articles are written in can be a little difficult to understand, especially if you don't have a medical or health background at all. Even with the training that I have, it can be just so full of medical jargon that it's easy for me to get lost in it sometimes. So I will say that most PubMed articles do have this um, section at the top, this abstract portion at the beginning, and that kind of can act as a summary. So that can be helpful if you're just looking for kind of a, a quick overview of something and you're not wanting to get down into the nitty gritty of the data. Now, if you want to get down in the nitty gritty of the data and the graphs and the charts and all that stuff, if that's your thing, then definitely PubMed is your friend, go for it. But for just the normal person, you know, wanting to understand a little bit more about gut health or wanting to understand a little bit more about skin health or, you know, something like that, you know, maybe the abstract portion of PubMed articles would be good. Or you could actually, when you are on Google, you can type in um, the word scholarly articles and then whatever subject it is that you're interested in. And that will bring up a mix of both PubMed articles, but also articles written for medical journals and things like that. And that can be helpful as well. And sometimes those medical journals are a little less jargony than an actual PubMed article would be. Okay, so the next question is, what is your Enneagram number? So, of course the Enneagram is going to come up at some point. You know it would. I love the Enneagram. I think it's such an amazing tool to help understand yourself and really, especially to understand other people. It's so helpful in other relationships and how you connect with other people. But I will say, like, figuring out what my Enneagram number is has been quite the journey. When I first started learning about the Enneagram and would take the test, I tested as a two every single time. And while there were a lot of things about the two that I could identify with, it just didn't quite seem right. So then the more I started reading, I realized, okay, I think maybe I have a whole lot of one. So maybe I'm a one with a a two wing. And I went with that for a long time. And then the more I would read about that, I was like, ah, I don't 
know, that doesn't feel totally right. Sometimes, sure. And then I finally ended up taking the paid test, I think, last summer. And I tested as a nine. And when I read as a nine, I was like, okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense because nines often test as a two, especially female nines. They also can see parts of themselves in every single number, which I feel like is true. Um, I definitely have a lot of one in me though. So when people ask me the question, I'm like, I think I'm a nine and a half. Like I'm just, I'm right between a nine and a one. The only reason that I think sometimes my true number is a nine is because when you get into the Enneagram, you learn about stress points and growth points and kind of where you go in both of those situations. And I identify more with the stress and growth points of a nine than I do the stress and growth points of a one. So all that to say, I think I'm probably a nine with a very, very, very strong one wink. But who knows? I could change my mind in like six months and decide that I'm another number. Okay, so the last question uh, that I'm going to talk about today was, uh, this is a really good question. I had to think about it for a little bit. Um, It says, if you could shout one thing that the whole world would hear, what would it be? This was kind of hard for me to choose because there's a lot of health things that I just really want people to know. Obviously, that's something I'm passionate about. But ultimately, if I could only choose one thing, I think that it would be that Jesus is better and that he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And I know that might sound cliche and very Christianese and, oh, that's like the church answer and whatever. I I understand that. But I just honestly think that when we are thinking about almost any issue, problem, concern, at the very least, when those things come into perspective, when we acknowledge and agree with the fact that Jesus is better than whatever that thing is that we're holding on to or running after or tempted by or hurt by or working so hard for, and that he loves us so much that he was willing to give up everything for us. I think it changes how we see ourselves and it changes how we see our circumstances and our situation. And then I think that will spill over into every other area of our lives, including our health. So I think I would have to choose that for my one thing. Friends, this has been fun. I love answering your questions. So if you think of another question you would like for me to answer, leave it in the comments here on this episode or on this post on my website, or you can find me on Instagram and send me a DM there. You can find me by searching for your health forward there. And um, maybe I'll do another one of these soon. Maybe we can make Ask Elena a regular occurring episode on the podcast. That'll do it for me today, friends. Thanks for spending some of your day here with me. Keep moving forward. Go love your people well, and I'll see you next time. Please remember that the content in this episode is not to be considered as medical advice and is only intended as general health information. Thanks so much for listening in today. See you back here next week for another episode of the Health Forward Podcast.